The year is 1999. A global technological evolution is underway. The internet is widely available, mobile applications are launching, and the digital revolution has arrived. At the same time, the CIA and US government agencies recognize they are missing out on the cutting edge, innovative and impactful technologies coming out of Silicon Valley and beyond. Combining the security savvy of government with the can-do curiosity of Silicon Valley, IQT was born. 20 plus years later, and IQT continues to serve in the national interest, connecting a diverse ecosystem comprising of the national security community, the venture capital community, and startup companies developing world-class cutting-edge technology to identify, research, and cultivate new technology to support the safety and security of the U.S. and its allies. Welcome to IQT Explains, a series on the IQT podcast where we explore technology trends and their impact on national security to provide insights and unique perspectives from thought leaders within IQT. I'm your host, Vishal Sandesera. Today, we're going to lend insights into how IQT makes investments and the impact they have on national security. Joining me on today's podcast are AJ Bertone and Matt Kempf, two good friends and colleagues here at IQT. AJ is a partner on IQT's investment team, primarily focused on investments in enterprise software companies. Prior to IQT in 2017, AJ was a consultant at Bain & Company in San Francisco and is also a West Point grad and former military. AJ, welcome. Nice to have you. Thanks. It's great to be here. Matt is a vice president on IQT's agency partnership team focused on outreach and account activity while accelerating the use of IQT portfolio company technologies in the intelligence community's mission and technology infrastructure. Prior to joining IQT in 2018, Matt worked at the National Security Agency, the NSA, serving as a platform manager for the NSA's Commercial Engagement Center, working with commercial companies to make our nation safer at home and abroad. Matt, welcome. Thank you so much. It's great to have you both. So before we get uh, before we get going on our conversation, I thought it might be useful to provide a very brief overview of what IQT is for our audience. Uh, some reasonable to assume that some people might not know what it is, and I thought maybe I'll start what like I always do with some definitions. Uh, and today today's definition will uh, will start with what IQT is. Uh, so in a nutshell, IQT identifies and matches emerging technology developed by startups to address gaps in national security technological capabilities. I like to talk about IQT from the concept of being a strategic investment firm. A lot of folks out there are probably familiar with the concept of a venture capital fund or a venture capital firm. Um, while different, not too dissimilar, I'd suggest, IQT sort of focuses on mission impact, technological um, relevance and, and technological efficiency in, in the face of the intelligence community and its missions, uh, and perhaps secondary or tertiarily on, uh, on financial outcome or gain. Uh, as a not-for-profit dedicated to mission impact, and again, not financial gain, IQT invests in startup technologies that have commercial use and viability while demonstrating the capability to advance the mission needs of our government partners. And we'll talk a lot about them today and their needs. And Matt, you, you have sort of a very ripe background uh, with, with a particular set of our customers, so very excited to talk to you. And AJ, you've got a very good and broad outlook sort of on the, uh, the technology landscape. So I think it's great that we have you both uh, as a part of today's conversation. I think what we'll do is we'll start with a conversation around how does IQT even source uh, and make investments? So the, wor the world is a wide, big place. There's, there's lots of great ideas out there, a lot of really interesting people working on interesting things. Uh, and IQT sort of has, um, has an, a unique position to, to go out and seek and source these organizations and companies and make investments in them. And AJ, maybe we'll start with you. Uh, to help us sort of start the conversation around thinking about what is it that we look for as IQT? When you sit down with founders and talk about IQTEL and explain how we work and who we are, what are the things that you bring to bear? What do you, what do you highlight with them? And what are some of the questions and answers that go back and forth? Yeah, um, 
So I normally give a little spiel, InQtel 101 type thing. Um, and I lead it off by saying, InQtel is a strategic investor for the US intelligence and defense communities. And very simply, we exist to bridge innovative, commercially focused, venture-backed startup technologies to problems of national security. Um, and I don't always get into the details of this up front, but I like to unpack that a little bit because there's this underlying question of, you know, what do we focus on at InQtel? What technologies are interesting to us? And, you know, at what stages of a company's life cycle are we going to invest in? Um, you know, innovative, we're looking for solutions that are differentiated or unique in some way um, that are ideally going to offer the government a more efficient or effective way of addressing their problem or problems. Uh, commercially focused. This one sometimes is a head scratcher, especially for people who are less familiar with us and think, you know, you're a government entity, which we are not, um, or that you exist to invest in government focused technology. We actually do not. When we were created back in 1999. One of the primary motivations was to tap into things that were being built for commercial markets that government was potentially going to have a difficult time accessing. Um, venture backed. This ties into the commercial focus and some of the undercurrent and you know, momentum that was building in 1999 in and around Silicon Valley, physically here in the Bay Area. Now that term means you know, tech innovation, early stage tech innovation around the world. Um, but it really belies a company that's on a trajectory to capture a large market opportunity, a venture scale business. Um, and then finally, relevant to national security. And of course, we can't expect founders to know this a priori, but um, you know, we, we exist to bring technologies to national security. So of course they need to have a tie back to mission. Uh, so that's normally how I explain, you know, what we're looking for and what the objective of that work is. Um, in terms of stage or like what that translates to, it's everything from the most mundane, you know, it could be nuts and bolts, enterprise software, stuff that Fortune 500 uh, enterprises are buying to highly specialized stuff that might go up on a satellite in space. And from a stage perspective, we're stage agnostic. It could be that it makes sense to invest at the pre-seed because we have strong conviction that this is gonna become impactful to our partners in a 12 to 24 month period of time, or it could happen at the growth stage where companies are at you know, potentially tens of millions of dollars in revenue. And for one reason or another, they, they and InQtel now have a shared view that there's an opportunity to, to be addressed in the near term in the public sector. So um, that's a little bit of you know, how initial or first conversations go and how I describe what we're trying to do. There are many, many layers below, which I think we'll get to some of them during the conversation. Thanks, AJ. Matt, same question to you. When you sit down with government partners, what typically are you talking about and what are you highlighting and how does that conversation go? It's a good question. I think when we sit down with folks within the government and our mission partners who've never been exposed to InkyTel or really kind of walk through who we are and what we do, um, I kind of like to remind them that we sit in this like intersection of three different worlds. You've got the venture capital community, you've got the early stage startup community, and you've got our government partners. Government partners, very unique requirements. Uh, the commercial industry uh, and the early stage companies, you know, they're building the tech to survive and to build a company and to build a lifestyle around, you know, whatever their product is and how they're going to change the world. And the venture capital community who's looking to invest in those startups that could change the world uh, potentially to see, you know, a greater upside and, you know, making an impact. Um, so literally the first thing that I really walk through is just what are you trying to solve? What keeps you up at night? When are you screaming at your machine when you're trying to do X or Y? Like, Walk me through the pain points on why you're looking for a solution or just simply walk me through your day 
Uh, and maybe you don't need a solution. But ultimately, when I sit down with government partners, the, the focus is what are the opportunities you're, ex you're exposed to that you think maybe there's maybe a better solution out there? Um, AJ's team and the investment team and the tech staff here at Inkytel, we talk to a lot of companies uh, annually, and we're constantly exploring just what's within the realm of possible to put, bring into the building and to bring back to the government partners to expose. If we can, you know, talk to a thousand companies a year uh, and bring all those, you know, insights and feedback back to our government partners, say this is what exists in the marketplace, uh, we're winning. So when we're sitting down with the government partners, we want to be able to explain at a high level and as deep as we need to get, do on the go on the ones and zeros on the tech of like simply what is out there and inform our government partners that these are the technical insights and resources available to you by working through Inkytel and how we can bring that back to the table. Um, but ultimately, it's really a conversation of, of enabling Inkytel to play matchmaker again. What are your problems? What are you trying to solve? What have you already tried to solve inside the building that hasn't worked out that maybe an early stage company has, has uh, attempted? Uh, and not only just early stage companies, yes, we're a not-profit strategic investor for early stage companies, but we've been doing this for a very long time and our network is somewhat massive in the sense that maybe there's not an early stage company out there, at least can expose them to what else might exist in the marketplace. That's great. I think it's useful for us to sort of do a, a very quick visualization exercise on behalf of our listeners. Um, I know this certainly helps me. Um, you know, collectively, I think we've got uh, over maybe 25 years of, of linear experience, if we were to add up the number of years that we've all spent at this organization, but it's safe to assume that our audience uh, has not. So let me draw this out and tell me if I'm getting this right. Both of you feel free to chime in. If we were to draw an entity diagram of uh, the universe of cast of characters involved here. So it looks like we've got a circle for Inkutel and, and other investors perhaps that 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 uh, work uh, alongside Inkutel. We've got another circle that is our US government partners, you know, folks within uh, these agencies, Matt, uh, your, your former place of uh, employment included. Yeah. And then we've got another circle that is the, this world of innovation, the entrepreneurs, the small startup businesses, large startup businesses, whatever the case may be, but places, pockets where innovation and, and technical development is, is taking place. And Inkutel sort of works in, in, in a bi-directional fashion amongst all of these, amongst all these characters. Am I getting that right so far? I would say so. AJ, yes. look to you. Yeah. I mean, it's a pretty straightforward yeah. answer. I think. Yes. Yeah. Excellent. So with that in mind, let's talk a little bit about what is it that we bring to the table to both of these? What, what value, let's talk a little bit about value proposition, I guess. And we'll start AJ with you when we talk about the entity diagram and the line, the lineage that sort of exists between uh, Inkutel and the startup community, the, the, the founders, the, the small companies, what is it that uh, they get from us and what do we get from them? You know, I'll start maybe with the startups, right? So I think it's no secret that the government spends hundreds of billions of dollars on technology on an annual basis. So the addressable market, or I should say rather the total market is very large, um, but the percentage of that that's addressable is perhaps not. And that's because it can be very challenging to find, you know, who is the person or where is the group in government that has a problem that is analogous to the one that I'm solving in the commercial world. Um, once I've identified that individual or set of individuals, how do I access them? Um, we often joke, you know, uh, try and show up to the front door. Well, there's not actually a front door, really. Get to the gate of CIA and let them know that you're there to talk to someone and uh, how's that conversation going to go? Um, so the point I'm trying to make is it's very difficult to figure out what the problems are that look like the problems you're solving. When you have done that, to access those problems and then once you've done those pieces, just figure out, like, how do I actually get my product into the building? There are a whole number of additional hurdles when it comes to actually getting product on the software side in particular deployed in many of these environments. And 
to the question of Incutel's value prop, I think one of the biggest things we can do for these startups that we're working with is give them leverage and de-risk that proposition. Um, you know, remove some of the opacity. Um, you know, chart a path through this labyrinthian maze that it is to you know figure out these opportunities in public sector and actually sell into them. Um, so you know, we're leveraging our relationships with government, our network with government, our knowledge of the problems that exist in government, um, and and we expose them to early stage companies in unclassified ways, right? By creating these analogs, and then. In addition to providing our own guidance on, you know, our view based on what we see in government and in these commercial markets on where the company should take its technology, we're also providing capital uh, to to uh, de-risk the development of the product in ways that make it consumable by the government partners that we work with. So I think that's, you know, largely, you know, a big component of Incutel's value prop when it comes to the early stage um, startup ecosystem. AJ, from your from your perspective. What about the uh, the proposition of potentially opening up a new market for for some of the for some of these companies? Right, there's. Uh, I, I think um, my question to you very succinctly is: What is the appetite, or what are the ranges of appetites that uh, the companies that you've interacted with um, when it comes to opening up to a U.S. government market? I mean, I think it's it varies, right? We look at a lot of different companies across a bunch of different domains. And it doesn't just vary based on that, but it also has changed over time. You know, sentiment towards government and public sector, it waxes and wanes. Uh, it's in, in many ways, it's political in nature. It's also based on budget. There are a number of reasons, um, you know, why there is variance there. Um, I would say, you know, my general view, like right now is that people are looking towards public sector um, much more favorably than they have in years past. Mm -hmm. um, I think also some of the things we're seeing from a macro market perspective, um, government budgets tend to endure in different ways relative to enterprise budgets in, in you know, macro market downturns. And so I think, yeah, there is a bit of uh, sentiment shift towards, you know, I think favoring going after public sector market opportunities. Um, many of the criticisms are still there. Sales cycles can be really long. Again, some of the challenges I mentioned that get back to the EQTEL value prop, like, as an early stage company, when you only have 12 months of cash in the bank, uh, how can you justify to yourself or to your investors that you're going to go after this opportunity that you can't exactly say who is the person that has the problem you're going to try and go after and it's going to maybe take you 24 months to sell to that person, right? It's very challenging. Um, but again, the opportunity is there and the budgets are big. You just have to have a way um, or something that gives you confidence that you can crack into them. And I think InQtel is that thing that can give you that confidence and also, again, provide you that capital. So um, I hope that answered your question. It does. It does. Uh, Thanks, yeah. AJ. So we've been a little history lesson. You know, InQtel has been around again, as I said at the top of our episode here, since 1999. Uh, so, you know, over 20, 20 years. Um, and in that time, um, you know, I'm biased in my opinion, but I, I'd like to think of us as being re relatively successful in, in, what, in all the things that we've done and the things we've tried along, along the way. But I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that certainly there's competition uh, in, in this sort of area that we play in. And I'd love your both of your thoughts on, you know, um, other models or other, other places that are doing something very similar and uh, are also sort of targeting similar uh, both, you know, pockets of innovation as well as government partners. Um, and I will sort of couch this by saying, I'd love to have a conversation around how all ships rise in this instance, but I think it is important yeah. to draw out 
uh, perhaps what makes us uh, different from or distinct from others in the space. Uh, and Matt, why don't we start with you first? I think at the end of the day, you know, Inkytel was founded as a way, a better way, again, to bring that private sector insight into what the government was looking to solve, whether it's an in-house commercial solution or elsewhere. Um, the more tools, the better is, is what our government needs. Public-private partnerships is an area that I've come from for many years. We need to just constantly be having that conversation, that dialogue of what industry is looking to solve and what the government's trying to solve and have a trust between one another to kind of figure out where this is going. Um, there are a lot of different entities uh, in our community within the government and even in industry today that are looking to uh, fund early stage startups that are gonna support the national uh, security mission space. There are a lot of companies looking to simply be the next uh, incubator that a, a large system integrator purchases to bring in house. There are a lot of tools out there. And so the more the merrier, the better. Great, AJ, your thoughts. Yeah. Yeah, I tend to agree. I mean, rising tide lifts all boats. Um, yeah. To the question of competition, I mean, to be kind of blunt about it, I, I don't think, I'm not aware of another entity that does what EQTEL does. Um, there's not another nonprofit strategic investor for the U.S. intelligence and defense community. We, off, uh, we occupy a very unique position in this market, if you want to think of it like that. Um, that being said, there are other things that maybe look like us or, you know, are doing things that are complementary to us. I think that's actually a better way of thinking of it. These, there are a bunch of things that are happening in the ecosystem that are complementary to us. And you might put them in three different buckets. Um, you, you have institutional venture capital firms, financially oriented venture capital firms that um, like defense tech or what people now commonly refer to as dual use technology. They like that as an investment theme, right? Mm -hmm. um, my view on that is that that is bringing more capital um, to a category that EQTEL cares about and that our government partners care about. That's more opportunity for the startups we invest in to raise more money, to grow into a larger business, to stay around longer, whatever that might be. Um, mm -hmm. The next bucket, uh, and Matt kind of alluded to this, there are a number of you know kind of defense contractors, if you will, prime contractors. So, so like Lockheed Martin comes to mind um, that have corporate venture capital firms. Uh, but they tend to be a bit more oriented on bringing technologies in-house or potentially, you know, getting access to technologies for future contracts, right? That is, that is not yeah. something that is largely competitive um, with what InQtel is, is doing. Um, and then finally, you have these government-operated, um, you might call them innovation entities or innovation activities. Um, ones that commonly come up nowadays are AF Ventures and DIU. Um, there are a number of others, as, as Matt also mentioned. And so because there are so many, I think, you know, I'd be hesitant to like, I think we need a lot more time to dive into them. Um, one thing I could say uh, relatively confidently is that um, you know, when it comes to distinguishing InQtel from some of these other government innovation entities, in addition to the fact that we're not a government entity, is that um, we come to the table as a venture capital firm, as an investor, um, and I think in almost every other instance for these government innovation entities, they come to the table as a customer. And that is a fundamentally different dynamic um, that has many second and third order effects in terms of you know, how these entities operate, um, you know, the, their motivations, what they're trying to achieve, and ultimately what the output is from them. And in my experience at InQtel over the past six years and working alongside a number of them, Again, I think it gets back to they are far more complementary um, than they are competitive within QTEL. 
Yeah, it's great. Bit of a long answer, answer, but hopefully, hopefully that was sufficient. Yeah, very well. All right, all right. So let's switch gears um, and talk a little bit about the nuts and bolts of how Inkutel works. Uh, and to set the stage, I'm going to make a playful narrative here. So AJ, you're on the investment team here at Inkutel. Let's uh, let's assume you have talked to a handful of uh, entrepreneurs and you have identified a company of of uh, interest that is. Uh, a good target for Inkutel to make an investment in. And, and in fact, we have made an investment. There's a whole bunch of work that happens afterwards. It doesn't quite stop there, which is, this is another reason why I think Inkutel is, is sort of very different from a traditional venture capitalist. Or, um, you know, I think the fact that we tend to have these things called work programs and, and we adapt products and all this kind of stuff make us very different uh, and perhaps more hands-on uh, to sort of mitigate some of the, uh, the downstream usage of, of some of these technologies. And Matt, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about what happens after AJ has identified a company, we've made an investment after much sort of uh, due diligence and, and sort of introspection. This sets off a cascade of things, I think, for you and your team and, and the customers that you represent on this entity diagram that we talked about a little bit earlier on, uh, as, as far as USG partners go. Why don't you talk us through, uh, through sort of the beginning, middle and end of that? I think I'll start before that, actually. And that's ultimately, we are focused on opportunities to impact the national security space and to have mission impact. So... Again, it starts with a partnership. If there's an opportunity for us to get a closer understanding of what uh, is keeping our government partners up at night, uh, if they are in a position in an unclassified space or in a classified space to really share what they're trying to solve, that empowers and arms teams on their investment team and the tech team to go out and scout the market, uh, identify companies that could potentially solve these um, mission uh, areas at the unclassified level. You know, and That's what enables us to really get to that phrases work program or essentially a contract between Inkytel and the company to enhance their product. We want to be able to connect our government partners with the Inkytel staff to really walk through a pain point that they're experiencing inside the building that they just have not thought a private sector company could solve. You know, we're in a position to really sit down uh, with our government partners and the company and Inkytel staff to really walk through creatively, how can we enhance this product to solve for mission need? Um, it can be a year, it can be two years, it ultimately depends. The contract or the work program can last as long as it takes in terms of the effort that's needed to enhance that product to be tested and evaluated by our government partners. But it's not always a guarantee. These are early stage companies. We want to test their limits of where they're taking their technology with a creative partner in the government to really sit there and test and evaluate and say, hey, this was supposed to blink green, it's not blinking green, it should have been done X, Y, Z, whatever the case might be. So again, it's a dialogue between the government and the company, and they're constantly at the table together to focus on how can this tech solve my problem and not how can I make a sale from the government? The focus is always on the tech. And I think that's a, a key piece that we, we tend to focus on once a work program is kicked off and not worried about the, the procurement of anything until they've proven the tech can solve the problem as close as they can. Mm -hmm. And Matt, you said something very important, which is the word enhancement, right? Um, when it comes to the type of... Um, Things that that are work programs or these sort of these 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 contracts that we have with with, with the startups. When it comes to these start, uh, these contracts, we're talking about enhancements. We're actually talking about making useful changes to an already commercial or near commercialized product. And what this typically means, I think, if you're uh, on the on, on sort of the startup side, is you're thinking through, okay, what is it that I'm going to improve upon or add as far as feature sets are concerned or capabilities I might want to bring uh, closer in my in my product roadmap in terms of timeline. Open question to either of you. Um, how often uh, is it a concern that perhaps some of these enhancements uh, may or may not, in fact, be of interest from a commercial standpoint? So, you know, these companies are co companies that already have commercialized or near commercialized uh, products. Mm -hmm. uh, and I imagine Inkutel wants to mitigate the risk of, you know, forcing them down a path that might not be commercially viable. How do we think about that? 
how do we perhaps mitigate some of that? Um, and, and, and ultimately, what, what, what are sort of the large scale um, outcomes you see in, in regards to the way features are, are actually added onto a roadmap for a startup? Yeah, I can take a first crack at that. When I, when I explain the work program construct to, to a founder, I normally say what we're looking to do here is think of this as a Venn diagram. On, you know, in one circle, it's what is on your commercial product path? And then the other, which they don't know, but this is InQtel's job. What does a product or technology or solution need to do in order to meet the use cases of the government? And where is their intersection between those things? That is what we want to focus the work program on. 90% of what we do within the work program should be on your commercial path already. Things that are maybe 12, 24, 36 months out, we're going to give you some funding to bring them in. And now you're going to do them over the next you know, six months or something like that. But by and large, the work program is not about building bespoke one-off stuff that only the government is going to consume. That is a critical point that I think we could spend more time talking about. Um, but critically, you know, it's about being interesting to the startup like and to the startup's investors. If anything, we get pushback from venture capital firms that are like, no, no, this company needs to be focused on the commercial market. We do not want you to take it on a complete and, and total tangent. Um, but it's also for government we don't want the things that we invest in to become shelfware. And to the extent we can invest in these capabilities and at the same time bring the government to a place where they can consume something that looks more commercial in nature, they're going to benefit on an enduring basis from all the updates and all the innovation that takes place in that commercial product. So that's really important. And I will say sometimes there are things that we do that maybe do feel customer specific happens in industry as well, especially for large customers. Companies often will do specific customer related work. That is part of what we do sometimes in some work, work programs. But by and large, um, you know, majority of the effort is focused on the commercial product path. Um, Matt, I don't know if you have anything else to add. Yeah, I'll give a specific example because oftentimes our, even our government partners tend to think like, well, I need this unique um, enhancement or feature to be added. So one example often discussed is I love the product of the company, but it's a SaaS platform. It lives in the Internet. I don't trust the Internet is the joke of the day usually. Uh, well, when the company's thinking of putting this on-prem or in a self-hosted environment behind a firewall where it can't touch the Internet, then call me. Well, guess what? That requirement is probably something a bank, a financial industry, a healthcare company. There are other commercial vendors who would want a similar solution still to this day, even though SaaS is this thing. They're going to still ask for that question. So the company will be provided with the insights of like, well, that's on a roadmap further down to the right. Inkytel provides an opportunity to really sit down with the government partners to think through, like, if this were to be on-prem behind a firewall, what would it look like? What are the features you needed to work? And then the company can also take that to their other potential customers to say, hey, if we built this, are these, you know, most of the time those those asks, those value props that the government's pitching to the company line up to what the government uh, or what the commercial industry is asking for. And it's an easier conversation when you kind of walk through, you know, your specific needs are not so specific that no one else in the world would ask for the same thing. Yeah. Matt, you reminded me of something interesting I want to ask you. You, you talk, we talk about building things. Um, Oftentimes, and I think I've heard this over at uh, definitely with colleagues from from your previous employer, this idea of it not invented here or like, you know, building things in house. Right. So on, on the one hand, we're talking a lot today about the things that we can build out in the sort of private sector industry, you know, startup environment. 
Um, but the U.S. government has a long history of building things in-house uh, and it has a long history of building very, in my opinion, uh, successful big things mm -hmm. in-house. What is it that you tell someone like, uh, you know, you know some, some, someone that's sort of sitting in front of you from the U.S. government? Um, how do you get them off the ledge of, hey, you should not build this on your own? You might want to consider outside capabilities. What are some of the things that you espouse and how do you convince uh, or change that mindset a little bit? Just ensuring the conversation takes place is goal number one. Um, there are some things that need to be built inside the building for a variety of reasons, and you're never going to convince uh, those that are on that train off. But if you can at least expose them to what you're trying to solve is already being solved or at least attempted in industry, I'd like to expose you to those conversations. So again, sitting down with tech staff and investment staff, talking to a thousand companies here, just bring them to the table to see what might be out there. Not so they walk away with a better way to build the thing internally. I know that is often a concern that folks hear of like, well, I'm not going to talk to Inkytel because they're going to show the government all my secrets. Not the case. Um, it's just simply exposure of, you know, if you're going to build it internally, you know, have you taken the five to 10 minutes to do your due diligence to see who else might have tried this in the past? Uh, are there lessons learned? Is there a commercial vendor that does this today you can buy off the shelf? Or again, is there an opportunity here to really creatively work with an early stage company that could potentially solve your mission need? And if you sat down at the table and walk through what those enhancements might be, maybe we can you know, change thinking in terms of what that solution actually should be, whether it's a combination of what's out on the market or what's in the building or whatnot. But just encouraging the conversation to take place is usually uh, our first goal when we're, when we're talking to the government. Great. Thanks, Matt. Gentlemen, our time is approaching. Uh, and before we go, I wanted to take a little bit of time to sort of rattle off a few questions, very common questions that I get, I'm sure all of you get as well, uh, just to help set the record straight on a couple of things. First and foremost, how big is InQtel? Matt, how big of a team are we all together? What are we at these days? Uh, so we have offices in Arlington, Virginia, Menlo Park, California, Waltham, London, and Sydney, Australia. I want to say 180. Seems the right. last count. It's definitely grown in the four years that I've been here, but I think we're at 180 or so right now. I think that seems right. Uh, AJ, how quickly do you make investment decisions? We make investment decisions on two dimensions. One is a traditional venture capitalist lens about uh, a company's market opportunity, the product they built for that market opportunity and their ability to execute on that. The other is the national security lens, which is how is this going to fit into the national security problem space? Great, thanks AJ. Last question for both of you actually, and we'll start with Matt first. How do you measure success? So clearly, I, I would imagine success is probably different for both of you. I'd love to get a sense of what Matt thinks success is and how he measures it. AJ, same question to you after that. How we measure success is, did this technology impact the national security space or the mission of our government partners? Uh, and that can be, yes, a story, but also, you know, through reporting, through any of the other mechanisms that the government tracks, uh, it really, it's a conversation piece to really, how did we enable you to be faster, stronger, better? Did we save time? Did we save the analyst time? Did we give them a tool or did the company give them a tool and an enhancement that enables them to be quicker to do a transcript or whatever? It, it varies. Um, but ultimately, is there a story to show that shows and highlights you know, the impact we had on the national security mission through the engagement of having a government partner sit down with a company, walk through how their product could potentially you know, solve a mission problem that we've been tracking for a while and, and continue that success. And it's not, it's a one and done. It's a, hopefully this will remain on for years to come. And it's still something we put on our, our boards in the office and the government continues to talk through how, you know, this company was an Inkytel company and without Inkytel, we wouldn't have been able to do X. And to pull on, and to pull on that thread there, um, 
you know, Matt talked about impact on the national security community. And if I put, you know, the perspective or the, put the startup hat on or the venture capitalist hat on, the other, you know, stakeholders are a part of this equation. Um, ideally, as a result of that impact that's being made on the national security community, the national security community is making an impact on that startup's income statement, right? And that can be small or that can be big. But at the end of the day, uh, the InQtel engine um, and our value prop to all of our stakeholders depends on both mission impact and companies that are providing the technology that has that impact getting something in return. And, you know, commonly and crudely, I think, uh, you know, the first thing that's thought of is revenue. There are also other benefits that many of our startups uh, gain from working with us and working with our government partners. Um, but at the end of the day, I think, you know, when the things that we invest in are having an impact on mission and also having an impact on that startup uh, from a financial perspective, that's the ultimate win-win scenario. Agreed. Great. Thank Thanks, AJ. I've got a few other questions here. I'm actually going to just rattle off some uh, some answers. And if either of you disagree, how about you chime in? Uh, a common question we get is, Incutel the venture arm of the CIA? The answer to that is no, we are not. IQT is actually a, a not-for-profit solely uh, here for Mission Impact. It's not a government entity nor a part of the CIA. Uh, IQT is a partner to multiple agencies, uh, and you can learn more at IQT.org. So I'll be making a few shameless plugs along the way, too, so a so warning there. Uh, does IQT make international investments? Matt, you alluded to this earlier. We have some uh, international office locations. Yes, we do. IQT supports a trilateral partnership between the US, UK, and Australia, um, the intelligence communities uh, within those countries. Uh, and we have investments in companies around 15 or so uh, since inception of IQT International. Matt and AJ, thank you so much for your time today. I had a really great time talking to you, learning a little bit more about the IQT model. To our listeners, thank you all for tuning in. Uh, and if you'll stick around for another 30 seconds, I'll leave you with a few resources uh, online and in print that you can access to learn more about what Matt and AJ talked about when it comes to Incutel's involvement in the startup space and also in the U.S. government space. So in closing, thank you for tuning into today's episodes of IQT Explains. Please make sure to subscribe to the IQT podcast so you don't miss out on future content and leave us a review or comment to let us know what you think or what content you'd be interested to see us cover on a future podcast. I also encourage you to check out IQT's website at www.iqt.org to explore more content about cutting edge technology to support and deliver insights and capabilities essential for national security mission impact. You can also learn more about the history of InQtel via the recent Harvard Business School case study, and we'll post a link to this in the show notes. But fair warning, there's a paywall there. Our apologies in advance. Thank you, Matt and AJ again. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in. We'll catch you next time on the IQT podcast. Produced by HeartCast Media.